Hi, this is Alistair Stewart. This is Brock Wilbur. And you're listening to Caring to the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try and find the silver lining or flip it into something that, well, possibly not positive, will at least be productive. Hi, Brock. How are you? I'm considering a pivot for the show of uh, moving us to Karen to the Void, uh, which is where we're constantly asking uh, the Void, mm, can I speak to your manager? Excuse me, can I see I've had an unpleasant experience uh, in your store and with your representatives, and I is Mr. Void in today? I want to speak to his manager. <laughs> this abyssal plane is filthy, and this is not the first time I've complained about this. <laughs> yeah, right there with you. I realize I should have like, texted the idea, and we could have done an entire episode of Karen to the Void, but like I don't know, I hit record, and that's what came out of my mouth, and I feel very good about it. I feel you very should good do. About our spin-off. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm doing good. I, I am enjoying the fact that we are, are living in a renaissance where uh, Taylor Swift is dating a football player from my city, and so Taylor Swift now lives in my city, sort Yay. of. Uh, and people have started responding to, um, oh, you live in Kansas City. Do you know Taylor? Uh, to most people in Kansas City, as yes, we do all know each other. We've all, we all know Taylor Smith. Mostly what I'm enjoying about it is watching that even when she doesn't show up, the concept of Taylor Swift maybe attending a football game uh, is uh, so fiscally and emotionally important to the sport in total at this point. That it just feels like a win for every theater kid everywhere throughout time and space. Uh, because, like, uh, when she's at a game now, they'll show parts of the game. But mostly it's just cutaways to her uh, cheering or hugging. And every victory is, is because of her. And every dropped ball uh, is somebody distracted because she's there. And I, it, we've never done this in sport for somebody in the arts and it's really fun to watch them act like a witch has has entered who uh, there is a a lower level (laughs) deity that has graced us with her presence awesome thank you uh here's a bunch of jokes and then like to be like well clearly she controlled the fates on that one uh we have displeased her so that is why the new york jets got a touchdown yikes uh let's do a little better spiritually here uh folks um it's the only thing that matters to me right now is is watching this just uh derange uh, a bunch of men that are in their 50s who are like, I am supposed to talk about football, but they made me learn some lyrics and song titles to reference. And look, my daughter's talking to me for the first time in a decade. I'm, I'm a little mad about it. I, I, I'm, I'm living for this spiritual moment. <laughs> Feeling things? Feeling things? Yes, that sounds yeah. fantastic. <laughs> How are things with you? Uh, they're doing all right, actually, which is, is a pleasant surprise. It's been a demanding year so far, but I watched two entertainingly... The word bad is so pejorative. Two entertaining horror movies that knew exactly what they were this weekend, and, and they were both a really good time. The Pope's Exorcist is a horror movie the same way I am a Catholic priest, <laughs> in that physically we both <laughs> resemble each other, and that's about it. But um, the entire thing is worth it for how much fun Russell Crowe is very clearly having belting around Rome on a Vespa. Vestments are flying. 
and also for the single most bald-faced piece of Catholic church apologia I've ever fucking seen. And I was converted into the church age 12. So I, I, I know this kind of inside out. There is a point in Pope's Exorcist where basically to camera, a character goes, the Spanish Inquisition was the devil's fault someone got possessed. Yep, yep. It's, um, boy, how do you, uh, yeah. Your boy saw that in a theater uh, as an as early critic screening uh, all by himself because no one else. <laughs> felt the pull of what they saw and uh what are what are the best days of my year man what are the best days of my year <laughs> oh, oh I, I i miss those screenings i truly do and i also saw the black demon which is a little bit like if carter j burke from aliens was the main character in a the meg film and um <laughs> it's actually really quite good if I tell you that the giant shark is a metaphor and that it might be a metaphor for capitalism, you're pretty much on the right lines with it. It's really interesting as well because I, I shotgunned the entire Insidious franchise earlier in the year, so I still have a lot of Patrick Wilson in my head. And I'd forgotten that you get Patrick Wilson if the character is troubled and has made some bad choices but is basically decent. And as is shown in, in The Black Demon, you get Josh Lucas if the character is a piece of shit who has a redemption arc. And, like, barely a redemption arc. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just, you know, if at some point the guy goes, oh, fuck. That is the archetypal Josh Lucas redemption arc. And I, I watch Stealth with this man in it. I watched the movie that, that Jamie Foxx did. I can only assume signed up to semi-conscious after having picked up an Oscar. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I know this man's body of work. And when I say the Black Demon is Josh Lucas doing good work, and, and it is... I also look back across his back catalogue and know that he has made choices. And many of those choices have been to pay the bills, and I totally respect that. But this is actually a giant shark movie that's good. That's a lie. All giant shark movies are good. They're all just inherently good. I watched the second Meg film earlier this month, and, and yeah. I had a great time with that too. It's Yeah, you know what? You rarely don't get what you signed up for. There tends to be a giant shark. And right? uh, it's the delivery rate on that promise that keeps it alive as a genre, I think. <laughs> right? Also, just to quickly sidebar into the Meg 2, I do have to commend any film that has a returning character from the first one, who, when he realizes that the second film is about to happen, learns to swim, fight, shoot, and spends the entire film with an actual, I believe, Prada bug-out bag full of things which the plot needs. That is how you support in character. That's how you do it truly some choices that i was like you know what this is uh this is earned franchise this 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 can this can keep going uh just a, a shocking number like more people returned for the sequel than i remember surviving the first one yes and they all grew in the intervening time just uh shocking across the board choices that are better than the meg 2 deserves <laughs> i also because it's me took the liberty of looking into the original books and not only are there seven of them but the author has done multiple other run It's an Enormous Fucking Monster films, including books, rather, including uh, several about the Loch Ness Monster, which all but say out loud it's an alien creature. And those are canonically established as tying in with the Meg books. So please, please, 21st century, please, sometime in the next few years, give us Jason Statham punching the alien Loch Ness Monster in the face. We deserve this. It's the least we deserve. I'm getting it translated into Latin and put on my family crest. It's so aspirational. Right. Yes, please. Right. And I mean, that man can make any dialogue sound good. I 
I am one of the 15 people who saw Expendables 4. I'm not proud of that. Um, <laughs> it, it's sufficiently terrible that I refuse to call it Expendables. You have to entertain me to win your comedy title movie, and you did not. But as a result of that, and also because obviously I didn't want to miss out on any of the nuances of the plot, I found myself rewatching the earlier Expendables films, and there is a fight in a church in Expendables 2 in which Jason Statham actually gets to growl the line, I now pronounce you, man. A knife. And I actually had to stop the film and go, that's actually a really fucking good line. Very well delivered. Now I'm annoyed. Let's move on. Yeah, that's a, that's a good take a walk line. Huh. So should we talk about cheese? Because I, I have something We should to... talk about cheese. What do you got on cheese for us today? Alrighty. <laughs> We're going to talk about Kasumatsu. Kasumatsu looks a little bit like an unusually angry egg tart. Or perhaps a quiche that's looked at the gig economy and realized that it may be time for its next job to be in finance. It looks innocuous, slightly crumpled, and this is part of the plan. Kasumatsu is a traditional Sardinian cheese made from sheep's milk, and it is full of larvae. And that is both a feature and a bug. Very proud of that. So here's how you, you should be. You really should be. <laughs> I try you. not to interrupt, but a whole yeah. Do we both take a walk? No, we don't have time. We don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> so here's how you make cheese with maggots. First, you take your whole wheel of pecorino and you remove some of the rind and you leave it outside. So that way, the cheese fly with the beautiful Latin name Pyophilia cassi can get into the cheese and lay its eggs. They lay like 500 at a time. And the moment those eggs hatch, the larvae look at this fermented dairy universe they have been born into and do the exact thing I would do if I, my first conscious thought was that I am surrounded by cheese. They start eating. Now, this has two immediate effects, happy maggots and soft cheese, because the acid from the maggots' digestive system breaks down the cheese's fats. And yes, this is a lovely academic way, as near as I've been able to tell when researching this, of saying the cheese is, at least partially, worm poop. But by the time it's ready to eat, thousands of maggots have been through it. So honestly, we evil can evil off the side of ew so fast that it actually just becomes kind of impressive. Ew is, of course, in this instance, spelt with an E because it's sheep's cheese. Now, here's the kicker. The cheese is creamy. It is delicious. And in no way whatsoever should you eat it once the maggots have died. Again, academic language for you must consume the live flesh of the cheese worms, lest the cheese consume you. Now, there's a couple of wrinkles here, and they're actually even more horrifying. The first is that refrigeration yep. kills the maggots, but it doesn't quite render the cheese toxic, so you do have a window to eat it. But I kind of feel like that has quite strong guardrails on the Death Star vibes. I'm not sure how well that works. Here's the one that haunts me. I'm going to just come straight out of this. It turns out the, these maggots have a defensive mechanism, and that defensive mechanism is that they can launch themselves up to 15 centimeters when disturbed. Oh, okay. So the cheese is moving. Who moved my cheese? All these maggots. <laughs> so when you've eaten, when you are eating your kasumatsu sandwich, which is often on a uh, Sardinian flatbread called pane carasol, by the way, and with a nice red wine, by all accounts, you are advised to hold your hand above the sandwich to stop the maggots you are eating hurling themselves at you. Nope, 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 nope. Yep, that was the point where I noped out. The thing is, there's another wrinkle. Somewhat understandably, a lot of folks aren't big on eating the maggots because, you know, maggots. So, 
if you want to eat katsumatsu but you don't want to refrigerate it and you also don't want to you know have to shield your face from the storm of maggot vengeance then what you're advised to do is put the cheese in a sealed paper bag this starves the maggots of oxygen they jump around in the bag making a pattering sound when the sound subsides the maggots are dead and your cheese is good to go there is another wrinkle no, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. We we left good taste behind like three wrinkles ago here. Oh, no. This cheese is considered an aphrodisiac. No, 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 no. <laughs> because, of course. Now, here's the thing. Kasumatsu is not available for the most part outside Sardinia, although there is a thriving oh, thank Christ. for it. <laughs> yeah, thank God, right? Uh, but you know, placed locally, it's it's basically like a literal expression of its environment. It's a parasite turned into an ingredient, a horrific conceit that also for some people is a delicacy, a cheese that is not considering a career change to finance, a cheese that is a gigantic crumpled king, its subjects making their way through flesh that is both monarch and nation state. It's actually kind of impressive. It's actually metal as hell. Just don't ever make me eat it. I'd ask if you have a caring for this, but I'd, I'd rather ask if you want to apologize. Do you want to take this time to apologize? I... Uh, I, I both do and do. So, yeah, um, if I remember correctly, there was there was a, like a two-season show that Stanley Tucci did called Looking for Italy, which was basically, hello, I'm Stanley Tucci. CNN are paying me to travel around Italy, and it's fucking amazing. And unfortunately, they didn't quite get to do all of it, but I think I do know he did a Sardinian episode, and I want to say he very notably did not eat kasumatsu whilst he was there. But I would have to check up on that. I, I actually have a carrot into the void for this. Um, Good. I have spent a chunk of the last year looking for a new job in game development. It has been miserable for reasons both within and without the industry. At its darkest, it has tweaked every single one of my neuroses. I'm not good enough. No one cares enough. The industry is dying, and I'm on my fourth dying industry at this point, which is at least two too many. I've never quite despaired, but despair has come up as a suggested follow on Twitter more than once. As a result of this, I've spent a lot of time on LinkedIn, which feels a little bit like if a cocktail party was also a job interview, and there are so many folks on there talking about how the next adventure is just around the corner and we just have to embrace opportunities. And you know what? Sometimes it feels like my maggot-chewed cheese flesh has done nothing but embrace opportunity, and my reward has been to be impossible to get outside the black market. I still have moments like that. I will do again, but more and more I'm realising that seasoned doesn't just mean experienced or not British food. It means ready, and ready on my own terms. Don't be the cheese you think the world needs. Be the cheese you are. Maggots and all. The serving suggestion is that you put the Alistair into a bag, and you wait for the <laughs> pattering sound to stop, and, and that's when your Alistair is ready to be hired at a reasonable rate. Um... <laughs> That was honestly the point. As I was digging into the research on this, I got to that and I was like, I have, I can't do this. I have to do this. You started in both bug dairy land, so uh, just two things that already even just normally are, are you, you move to a different sense as soon as you hit the sound of it. Yes, that's exactly uh, it. Is, is jumping at the face, sure, it is everything else, and then you're like, so what you gotta do is listen for him to die in a bag. I was like, that's, that's uh, you know... 
you you can't co-opt the gentle sound of rain like that on me, man. That's um. I, I just I challenge the next two June movies to fe- feature something at least as inventively horrifying. I, I challenge Jesus them. Jesus Christ! I, I I dare you, Dennis Villeneuve. I double dog dare you. Thank you. Thank you for that and for sharing that, for writing that, for bringing that to the table, for recording that so that people can listen to that. Thank you to the listener who is still subscribing to this show. I I really appreciate your patience, and I'm about to uh, reward you uh, by uh, betraying it with just a horrifyingly similar story that I've brought to the table. (laughs) This is one of those that I can't believe... After several months apart, that our our brain chemistry lined up on this, but uh, so here we go. Spiders, ladies and gentlemen, spiders. We all know them. We all love them. Spiders. Um, so the content warning out of the gate there for whatever that is. Uh, which, uh, if if you've never looked into it, uh, spiders and the way that they move, uh, the motion basically operates in a way that the chemistry and the human brain is designed to be afraid of. Uh, which is uh, one of those things that, like, if you're ever like, I feel dumb being afraid of this thing. Like, no, it was built to operate in this way that it, it the your your brain identifies that sort of like dropping frame level of movement speed yep. and the jaggedness of that as something that's so unnatural it must be predatory and hunting you. And so, even though it is. Sometimes a tiny spider, your brain's like, that thing's trying to kill us uh, just on on how it moves, which is a fascinating uh, thing to lean on. So next time you uh, let out a, a high-pitched wail uh, upon seeing a spider, it's not you. It's evolutionary biology, and it is not your fault. Uh, anyway, spiders. Uh, so in Asia, uh, some scientists were observing the Toxius magnus species. And here's the thing. What made them really interesting to scientists that made them go hold on what's what's going on over here uh is that this very particular brand of spider would have babies and then the babies would not leave the nest would like hang around way too long we're talking like weeks on end and to know spiders is to know that that's not exactly a mother-child bonding experience in general. Usually they either immediately leave the nest or a parent eats them or they eat the parent. There's nothing nothing positive happens in any sort of uh, maternal way around babies and spiders. But they were like this one species that they seem to be <laughs> staying at mom's place uh, long after they should be moving out. What's going on there? Uh, so they looked into the Toxius magnus. And what they found is that... Um, this breed of spider had developed mammillary glands. Uh, it can produce milk. Uh, this this is a spider that, that makes milk. Spider milk is the name of the segment because this is about a spider that makes milk. Milk, obviously, can be made into cheese. Oh, and um, you, where, you look, you know where they... No. So what happened is this breed of spider like basically evolved to have... A thing in his abdomen that can make small amounts of milk. And when they look at the milk that it produces, it contains sugar, fat, and about five times as much protein as cow's milk. And this is what actually bothers me about spiders is that, like, they're too good at everything. 
Like <laughs> there's no other there's no other spider ever anywhere that has made milk or or been like a parent. And like when one decides to be like, I'm gonna try out this whole like uh, milk thing. The milk it decides to make first run, first draft is better in its potency and everything than any. Like, I know that they already can, like, use silk to fly around the world with electrostatic force. And, like, anything they try to do, they're just better at than everyone. And and I think that that's that's what makes me mad is that I know if (laughs) if a spider decided to try podcasting, it it would be fuck off time for the two of us. Like whatever they want to do, they're just, they're the gifted kids of nature. And I really, that's what I fear and hate them for. Uh, Everything else is, is secondary. So yeah, what they started doing with the milk spider moms here is that they were like, well, is this just like a thing it's trying out? Is the milk part thing really necessary? So they, they plugged up some of the mom spiders after they gave birth so that they couldn't be milked. And like basically the entire litter of babies would die. Like the, the spider had evolved to require milk. A thing that they'd never needed before, but now they do. And the survival rates for the children is out of control. So it's like an incredibly good parent and it provides the best milk in the world and uh, as we enter into a time where spider silk is being uh, replicated on a gigantic scale for a lot of things in tech the idea that we have maybe found the most potent milk on the planet i i think we all know where we go from here or don't or it's just a matter of time it's just a matter of time the thing that you're afraid of in your head whatever you jump to it's it's just right there. Spiders cracked it, and uh, spider cheese seems inevitable. I would assume that this is not the sort of thing that you need to keep the spiders from jumping at your eyes while eating it. The Obviously, we would have to replicate this milk in some sort of lab scenario. They are not making enough milk to be milked. Uh, it is not that sort of yet. thing. So, they are um, not making enough milk y- to be milked yet. Uh, good, good on that. So, um, my carrying into the, uh, on it is, uh, is this, um, I, I used to do things for attention. I looked and behaved in ways to get attention. I thought I needed that kind of attention. It's only this many years in that I understand what really turns heads and how far off the mark I was, because maybe the biggest shock you can give to the system of those around you is to make choices that are simply so healthy. No one thought you were capable of it. Maybe it seems foreign, alien, or even beyond your biology, but nothing is worthy of more attention than when you're doing something so right, everyone else sticks around much, much longer than they normally do or planned to, because everyone wants in on something that's doing better, no matter how weird it seems. I am floored. We, uh, uh, big The dairy industry is going to come for us. Uh, this, is, this is an episode, man. Halfway through... You you talking, my brain started going, spider milk, spider milk, spider spiders milk. now, make milk. Can it fit swim from the web? Yes, it can. It makes milk. Look out. Here comes the spider milk. In, uh, but- in writing it, all I could picture was getting like a milk mustache, but it just felt like walking into a cobweb. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of, a lot. We, we This episode had too many sensory details to be actual fun. This this was a threat. This uh, this low key is is our cruelest episode to the listener, and it's because we did it to ourselves. So I, I, this is not the place to come for help. Sorry about this one, fellas. <laughs> the, the other thing I have is is the inevitable meeting where this is all discussed, and about halfway through it, the guy at the far end of the table gets that look. 
and and everyone around him without saying a word is like Greg's going to say the thing, and they just keep going and they they just you you get to any other business and there is that five second pause when someone goes okay here we go, any other business Greg, and Greg goes could could I no you can't drink it Greg, okay I'm going Let home. The people drink from. <laughs> uh, I just I'm I'm. This is amazing. Spiders spiders have milk now. I love this. Also, this will haunt my nightmares in the best of ways. Look at the... They gotta stop taking all the jobs, man. Right? This, this is my concern. This is my concern if they move into the haunted podcast space. Uh, they, and they would have so much material that no one's covered on a show yet. It I just... Do you have a self-care into the void? I think we need to do that. I think this episode is ready to, to wrap up. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. And it's a culinary one, but it's not horrifying, I promise. God damn it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I speak to you, our audience, now as a Brit-adjacent human with boy parts who can reveal that I have discovered a very important thing. And that is that there is a difference between hot and spicy. And you can carve out a blissfully happy culinary existence between those two kingdoms. Chula hot sauce? Call us. Spider milk manufacturers don't call us. Do you have one? <laughs> Brit adjacent with boy parts. I, I any culinary advice that starts from that place, I just know it is okay. Uh, yeah, uh, my self care is um, you can just buy the trick or treat candy. You can just buy as much as you want. You yep. can have. You don't have to. As an adult, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to knock doors, introduce myself to strangers, engage in small talk. I can just buy all the candy I want and I can have it. And I don't even have to wait till Halloween. And I, um, for the first time in my life, am just fucking seizing that this year. Um, just really grabbing in on, uh, you know, I don't have sweet tarts around much or uh, gushers, uh, but uh, now I do. Now I do in my office, in my home, in my car. And uh, all this is under the guise that it's going to go into a bowl to be handed out to kids. But, like, I don't think what I've bought is going to make the bowl. But also, I bought so much that every child for three cities around mine would need to stop by. I, I, I've just, low-key, it's run interference to allow me to be an adult uh, with diabetes. He's like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just doing candy this year. All the candy I want, no, no cares in the world. Come find me at Christmas and uh, insulin me and let's call it a day. Yeah. You don't have to trick-or-treat to get the candy. You still can trick-or-treat because it's fun and, and rules, but also any day can be trick-or-treat day for your mouth. Fuck yeah, it can. Fuck Brilliant. yeah. Okay, so we're kind of entering the home stretch. I feel like one of the last things we have to do is remind people that, you know, our, our brother and let's say Christ, Jordan Shively, has a fantastic merchandise store at Void Merch, which is full of T-shirts and stickers and notebooks and all the things that you might need to document the ongoing collapse of western civilization and that you should check it out get yourself a, a journal from the jordan store knowing full well that somebody in in a fallout game future is gonna pick it up and be able to read a page or two like it's important that you contribute to the collectible economy you know that you have a piece of lore that a hundred years from now it's going to be kind of important it's going to be kind of important to right. set the stage for something Go ahead, get it down. Get it down inside a Void Merch journal. That's the Void Merch promise. Merch for the Void. I, th th that is just the perfect dismount. Brock, where could people find <laughs> you this week? 
<laughs> at Brock Wilbur on whatever we're calling the platforms these days. Fuck it, I don't know, man. <laughs> Likewise, you can find me on the. Pl- I think we should just call it the platform. You can find me on the platform, the platform. at Alistair Stewart, and I'm also now on Mastodon along with 25 other people, one of whom I'm fairly certain is a yak herder. He seems nice. And uh, Blue Sky with a username too long for me to remember, but I swear I'm on that, and I mention it on Twitter quite a lot. So, thank you so much for if joining us. If you want to come join us on Blue Sky, reach out to me. I have codes for days. I'm not sure if that's where we're headed, but that seems viable. Uh, also, I have a book out for charity right now called uh, Our Special Place, Conversations on Silent Hill that me and my friend Whitney did as a pandemic project. Uh, all the money for that goes to uh, charity Extra Life, uh, which funds a children's hospital network. So uh, grab that wherever books are sold. Uh, Yes, do so. Fantastic. We will see you next time. We promise there will be at least 70% less horrifying insect-based dairy products. Please look after yourselves. Please consider leaving a review on your podcatcher of choice, probably the one run by spiders. It is by far the most efficient. And remember, keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many. And we will see you next time in the void. In the void!